Well, if you don't know, school is either starting tomorrow or has already started. And so in, um, in honor of school starting, we're going to start today's message with a quiz. Okay, I just want you to feel school, okay? Now, let me set up the quiz for you so you'll know what we're talking about. It's just a general quiz, just to see what your general knowledge is of etiquette. Now, uh, if you're invited to a formal dinner, which most of us are quite often, I know uh, this group, a very formal group, and I suspect you're going to kill it on these questions, but etiquette, there are certain rules when you go places and you have formal dining, there are rules to that, and so we're going to look at some of these, and I want to see how you, uh, how you do, and so we'll give you some opportunities to, uh, to interact um, today. Okay, so... Informal dining, question one, informal dining, when reading the menu, one should A, never ask the price. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. B, have a working knowledge of French since many dishes have French names. C, always lift the menu from the table when reading it. D, make certain the menu is touching the table in at least one place when reading it. Now, uh, think about it. Uh, share with your neighbor what you think the answer is. Go ahead. What do you think? No, I'm not your neighbor. Uh, talk to uh, uh, people around you. Uh, you. I didn't give you good instructions. That's the teacher's fault. Okay, so how many of you said uh, it's A? Okay, you're wrong. Uh, how many of you? Now nobody's going to answer. Uh, B? Yeah, you're wrong too, Ronnie. Uh, it's D. Did you know that? Who knew that? Anybody get that right? You did know that? You knew it or you guessed? Oh, okay, okay. Because uh, Gary Wilson, after the service, said, I got four of those right. I'm like, well, you're sophisticated. He goes, no, I just guessed good. So uh, uh, good for you. Good for you. If you got that right, great. All right, question number two. Informal dining, once you sip from a glass, you should A, uh, you should um, drink from the same place on the glass every time. B, you should sip from the glass. Uh, you should never sip from the same place on the glass. C, you should wipe the rim of the glass with your napkin after every sip. D, you should always drink from the left side of your glass. By the way, I'll give you a hint. It's not D. Uh, so, the answer to that one is A. Who got that right? Anybody? Yeah, good. Good for you. See, you're very sophisticated. All right, uh, let's do a, a couple more. Informal dining, if, someone, uh, if something of which you don't like the taste enters your mouth, you should. So you take a bite of something, you don't like it. Uh, you should, A, discreetly spit it into your napkin. B, uh, quickly chew and swallow that one bite. It's impolite to not. C, remove the food from your, uh, with your fingers and place it on your plate. D, extract it with your fork and place it on the side of your plate. What do you think? What? It is D. How many thought it was A? Yeah. But it's not. Um, the rule from what I read is if it goes in with a fork, it comes out with a fork. That's how you do it. All right. And then you put it on your plate, not in your napkin. There's a reason for that because if you put it in your napkin, it's likely to fall out and get on your clothes and you don't want that. So that's the rules. Uh, I'll give you a couple more. Give you more chances here. Informal dining, the proper way to signal that you're finished with your meal is to, number one, A, place your napkin on your plate. B, set your utensils on the plate so that both handles are resting at the 4 o'clock position. C, pick up the plate, lick it clean, set it back on the table upside down. 
That's the Kentucky way. D, push your plate away politely. It's B. B. <laughs> You're not good at this. Uh, okay. Uh, last one. In formal dining, your napkin should A, be placed in your lap with the crease facing toward you. Did you know there are rules like this? There are rules like this. Uh, never be used to wipe, but rather to dab one's mouth. C, always be closed so that all the stains are out of sight. D, tuck neatly under your chin. Jethro Bodine style. All right, what do you think? You all, most of you got this right. It's A, B, or C. Uh, it's all of the three. So I wanted to give you one you get. Uh, okay. Now, there's some rules around how you eat and that kind of thing. So uh, a good rule of thumb is uh, to look at your setting and left and right. So things on the left have four letters, just like left. So that would be food and fork. Left, four letters. Things on your right, drink, knife, spoon, uh, those are five letters, just like right. So, you learned something. Uh, we've changed our motto at our church, Freedom the Sophisticated Church. Uh, that's us now, and so I just want you to know that's, that's the deal. We're, we're in Luke 7. There's a reason I did that. In Luke 7, Jesus in, is invited to a dinner. And just like we have etiquette for formal dinners, they had etiquette for their dinners in that time. And this whole story sort of revolves around the etiquette of the day. And so I thought, well, let's, the good way to kind of warm us up is we, let's know our etiquette for today. And let's know, let's kind of discover the etiquette for the day when Jesus lived. So we're in chapter 7, and verse 36 says, When one of the Pharisees, and by the, name, uh, by the way, his name is Simon. We learn that later, so we'll call him Simon. I just want you to know who this is. The Pharisee, a guy named Simon, uh, invites Jesus to have dinner with him. This is a common thing because Jesus would have been quite well known. Now, it's, if you're healing people, uh, like if you give sight to the blind, uh, a guy born blind, that kind of gets out. People know that. If you feed people, uh, feed 5,000 with you know, five loaves and two fish, people figure that out. And the word spreads. And so Jesus is noted. He's kind of famous. And so a Pharisee in this one town, he invites Jesus to have dinner with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house, Jesus does, and he reclined at the table. It's important for us to understand uh, this etiquette as well. And there's sort of um, you know, some background around all this. But when you, like if we go to dinner, we go to, you know, Roadhouse or whatever, we sit at a table and we have a meal in front of us. In Jesus' time, in that era, the table was low. You would get on the floor, you would recline on your left arm, and you would eat on your right with your right hand, and your feet would be away from the table. Uh, the, um, there's a reason for that. When you are walking in arid places where horses and other things are walking, there's a chance that your feet don't smell too good. And so you put your feet away from the table. It is all about etiquette. Now, when a guest came into your home, there was etiquette around that. One thing that you were required to do when a guest came into your home, by the way, none of this happened with Jesus and Simon, but Simon should have. It would have been appropriate. In fact, it was good etiquette. When someone come into, came into your home, you'd give them a kiss of greeting. If you were of e equal stature, you would kiss them on the cheek. 
if they were of a higher social level than you, you would kiss them on the hand. You would bend over and kiss their hand. So we see that when uh, Jesus was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas, it says Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, he would have kissed him on the hand. A disciple would have kissed uh, a, a rabbi on the hand. It would, a, a child kisses their parent on their hand, on the back of their hand. And so a kiss was required. In fact, to not do this was really insulting. It would be like you coming to my house and me basically ignoring you. Not shaking your hand, not greeting you at all. That's kind of what happened with Jesus coming to Simon's house. There was also the washing of feet. As I just said, when you walked on the streets, you were dusty. These were open shoes that they wore, sandals. And so your feet became dirty and smelly. And there's a reason where they would offer you a washing of your feet. Again, if, if you were a higher social status than the, the host, the host might wash the feet himself. If you're equal, he would have someone do it. A servant, uh, the youngest child often was the one assigned to wash people's feet. Again, it's a culture where that happened. At the very minimum, you would say, here's some water so you can wash your feet. At the very minimum. He would offer water and you could do it yourself. It's a little insulting, but it's not horrible. Simon didn't do this for Jesus. Third thing, you would offer oil for the anointing of your guest's head. Let me be a, a little bit um, graphic here. These are people who live in a very uh, hot, arid climate. They walk wherever they go. If you've been around people who walk wherever they go in a hot, arid climate, there is a tendency to sweat. These are people who didn't have the benefit of, of uh, utilizing deodorant. And so, when a guest came into your home, there is a likelihood that they don't smell that great. And so, as a courtesy to your guest, you would give them something that smelled good to put on. A little oil for the head. Uh, usually it had a little rose uh, smell to it. That was for their sake and your sake because they don't smell too good. All right, that's kind of how that worked. All right, so that's sort of the etiquette of the day. By the way, I, I read this super interesting thing. Does anybody remember who Joan Rivers was? All right, she was an actress and then a comedian, and she had a ho I think she hosted a talk show. She died, I think 2014, it's, it's not too long ago, but a few years ago. And at, at her funeral, she uh, asked that the funeral people, the funeral hosts or whatever they're called, uh, would spray, she had her own line of perfume, and so she asked that the chairs would be sprayed with her perfume so that when uh, the funeral happened, you would think of her. It's kind of how that worked. So these people, when you came into their home, uh, you would get something that smelled good, to make the room smell better because you had some smelly people in the room. And it's just a matter of making people feel at home. Um, when you go to a wedding, sometimes they have a centerpiece and, and the centerpiece, or they have something, a, a placard or something, and you take that home and that's to remind you of the people who just got married. If you go to a classy hotel... Uh, you go in and you go in uh, to the bedroom there and there might be a, a, a little uh, chocolate on the pillow. If it's really classy, they'll have you know, a, a, a robe in the closet. If you 
go to a classy hotel in Kentucky, there's snuff on the pillow and a Snuggie, you know. Uh, so, not quite the same, but a snuff and a Snuggie. That's funny, I worked really hard on that one. Okay, snuff and a Snuggie. So Jesus comes to Simon's house and he doesn't get any of this. He doesn't get the kiss of greeting. He doesn't get the, at least the offer to wash his own feet. He doesn't get the anointing oil. And there's more. These events were semi-public. All right. If I have a dinner at my house and I see somebody peering in the window, I call the police. Uh, that is weird. Don't do that. In Jesus' era, he was a... I, don't, I hate to use the word celebrity, but... Uh, let's work together. Work with me. He was kind of a celebrity. People knew him. Word would have gotten out in the community, hey, Jesus is having dinner at Simon's house. Now understand something. This was pre-Netflix. There was nobody playing a, a sport. You didn't have a lot of entertainment options. And at a formal dinner party, a lot of times there was entertainment involved. And so there was sort of this um, idea uh, you could come, you could watch. You don't get to participate, but you could watch. Again, different culture. We would never do that. If my neighbors are having a barbecue, I'm not walking over looking over the fence. But this is kind of the notion that they had. They, they were going to kind of watch, and it's something else. Typically, the people that would watch, look, you invited, you invited honored people to your party. Then the, the, the lesser people watched and the lesser people had less and if there was food left over at the party the lesser people were sometimes invited to partake of the leftovers now when you're living hand to mouth that's a big deal and there were people watching the party it wasn't uncommon at all one person that was watching the party was a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life. And the language that Luke uses here leaves no doubt that this woman is a prostitute. This is what she does. Now, he is very delicate here in the way he says it. Uh, I appreciate that. A woman uh, from the town who lived a sinful life. But she was a prostitute. Understand the situation for women in Jesus' time. It, it was dire. If you married a man who was displeased with you for any reason, he could just simply cast you away and divorce you. It didn't take a lot. You just had to do something he didn't like. You had no recourse if you were the wife. In fact, if he was a jerk, you couldn't divorce him, but he could divorce you. If, you, if your husband died, and again, life expectancies were relatively short, it wasn't uncommon for a woman to be widowed. If you were widowed, you didn't have many options either. You, if you were divorced or widowed, you had basically three options. You could remarry, and hopefully you do it quick because you're starving to death because nobody's taking care of you. You could go back and live with your father. You go back under his roof and under his domain. Or you become a prostitute. There's really about all your options. You don't have a lot. So, we look askance at a woman who is a prostitute, but we understand, you have to understand the context of the culture. She probably didn't have many options. 
And this woman who was a prostitute comes in and she um, sees, learns that Jesus was eating at Simon's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. It's a really interesting detail that Luke gives us here. Women in that era would wear a little flask, a little bitty flask of perfume. Again, it's the whole body odor thing. This is the body odor sermon, evidently. Uh, it's kind of the whole thing is about body odor. But uh, women would carry this flask. Uh, I don't know any women today that use perfume. Uh, but uh, that's kind of, you know, even today they do that. But they'd have a little, little flask of perfume. And, and so as a prostitute, this was a, this was a tool of the trade. And she had this flask, this little bottle of perfume around her neck. And as she stood behind him, and again, Jesus was reclining with his feet away from the table. She can see his feet. In fact, get this, I'm going to paint this picture for you. Uh, she stood behind him at his feet weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, and she kissed them and poured perfume on them. She did for Jesus what Simon didn't do. Now, there are some between the lines that I'm going to try to paint for you a little bit. Understand, this is, this is just my conjecture, but this makes sense to me. This woman hears about Jesus and maybe heard Jesus teach. And Jesus gave her the good news that it's not too late to be forgiven. Jesus talked about that all the time. In fact, Jesus had a reputation for telling people who were prostitutes and tax collectors and people that the Pharisees, they had a list of people they really didn't like. Sinners. They really they had a list. It was a funny list. They, tax collectors were at the top, prostitutes. They didn't like tax collectors or prostitutes. Jesus talks about them a lot, by the way. Um, they didn't like the thugs who worked for, for tax collectors, who collected money for the tax collectors. They didn't like tanners, people who tanned skins because they didn't smell good, like everybody didn't smell good. And they didn't like camel herders, because that was an unclean animal. It's kind of funny. They had a list. And so, prostitute would be at the top of the list. And here's this woman, and she's in the audience. Now, in my mind, she's at the front. She got there early. Maybe she needed the food. Maybe she just really wanted to be close to Jesus. And she observes Simon's disregard of etiquette toward Jesus. Well, he didn't give him the kiss of greeting. And he didn't wash his feet. And he didn't give him the oil of uh, blessing, the little perfume. He didn't, he didn't do any of that stuff. And I don't know what happened if it was on impulse or what it was, but she stood behind him at his feet and she approached. Can't you see this in your mind's eye? Just imagine the drama. Everybody knows who she is. Everybody in that room, everybody around that table knew who she was. And yet, she... <laughs> has the courage to approach Jesus, she begins to weep. I suspect it's tears of guilt, tears of thanksgiving. Guilt for what she's done, 
tears of gratitude for what Jesus said she could be, and she begins to drench His feet with her tears. Have you ever cried so much that it ran off your face? It's a lot of crying. To wet somebody's feet, that is a lot of crying. She is broken. And in the process, she's doing for Jesus what Simon should have done. Well, now she has a quandary. How do I dry his feet? And in a shocking breach of etiquette, she lets her hair down. It is shocking in that society. When you were married, if you were a woman, uh, there was a wedding ceremony, and the day you were married, you put your hair up, and the only person who could see you with your hair down from that day forward, from your wedding day on, was your husband. That's it. Nobody else could see you with your hair down. In fact, there's a, a religious writing called the Talmud. The Talmud, there's laws, and so the Talmud were, were rabbis who talked about, hey, this is how we interpret the law. So it's sort of a commentary on the law. And in the Talmud, it said, if a woman let her hair down in public in front of another man who wasn't her husband, it was grounds for divorce. There were lots of grounds for divorce. That was certainly one of them. In fact, this was so offensive to the Jewish community, that it was equated with going topless to let your hair down. And she lets her hair down and begins to wipe the tears from his feet. And she's let her hair down many, many times for many, many men. But this was the last time. And then it says, look, she kissed his feet and poured perfume, not, not a drop. She empties the bottle on his feet. She empties it. Now, she is unashamed in her affection for Jesus. But I want you to think of what a very, very difficult situation this puts Jesus in. This woman is a known prostitute. She is touching Him. She's kissing Him. She's let her hair down in front of Him. She has used her perfume to to ply her trade, the perfume that is used in her trade, she has poured it on his feet. All of those things are very sensual. It's a very difficult situation for Jesus. And yet, Simon observes this. I mean, it would be easy to say, well, how in the world does a prostitute feel that familiar with Jesus? And Simon has invited Jesus to his house to find fault with him. And so the easiest thing to do would be for Simon to go, well, man, this guy hangs out with prostitutes. Obviously, he knows his way around. Prostitutes know who he is. It's not what he accuses him of. Look at what Simon says. 
When the Pharisee Simon, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would surely know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. He would know. He doesn't accuse him of evil, but rather of ignorance. If he was a prophet. See, Jesus lived a life where no one ever accused him of that. I think that's really an interesting part of this story. Now, you've got the scene, right? This woman has wept and has wiped his, his feet and she's kissed his feet and she's anointed his feet with uh, this precious perfume and it would have filled the room with that aroma and everybody was watching. I don't know what the show was planned for the night. That was the show. That was one amazing show. You don't see that every day. And I think everybody is in stunned silence. And the story sort of shifts. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Now the inference, the way Jesus said that is, hey buddy, I've got something to tell you and you're probably not going to like it. Because Simon has been judging people. He's judged the woman, he's judged Jesus. He's not been right, but he's been judging. He's got a lot of judgment going on. And I appreciate he says, tell me, teacher. Tell me. Interesting. So Jesus tells this little two-verse parable. Two people owed money to a certain owed money to a certain money lender. By the way, to go into debt in Jewish culture really unheard of. You just didn't do it. Now understand, this wasn't a sophisticated. We're going to dress up and go to the bank and get a loan. This was I'm going to go to a bookie. I'm going to go to a loan shark because that's the only people that would loan you money. The only people worse than folks who got into debt were people that caused people to get into debt. And the Jewish people had no time for it. So when Jesus tells this story, he's saying, hey, these people who borrowed money, really, really bad. And everybody would have figured out, oh, that's really, really bad. They owed money. One owed him 500 denarii. You'll recall that a denarii is one day's wage. So 500 days wage, it's about a year and a half. If you make $40,000 a year, it's about 60000 bucks, just generally speaking. The other owed him 50 denarii, that's about two months wage. It's a lot. If you're living day to day, to be 50 days back is really tough. To be 500 days back is impossible. They're both kind of impossible. 50 you could kind of do, maybe. You could maybe catch up 50. You're not going to catch up 500. Normal people just wouldn't catch up 500. And neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. He calls them in. And he says, I'm going to make you an offer can't refuse. Who was that? De Niro? Is that De Niro? Who was it? No, that's not right. Who was it? Brando. That's what, that's what I meant. I was checking. Good job. Uh, Brando. Maybe it sounded like De Niro uh, coming out. I don't know. Both of these people owed money. Neither of them could pay. That's the whole point. And so Jesus, he poses a question. Now, Simon, uh, which of them will love him more. And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And can't you just hear Jesus chuckle 
these next words? Well, you've judged correctly. It's like you've not been judging correctly. But this one you got right. And he doesn't do it in a condescending way. I don't think Jesus ever did that. It's like, dude, ready to go. You got that one right. You're really not good at this, but that one you got right. Good on you, buddy. And then the story shifts again. Jesus is a master. He turned toward the woman and he said to Simon. Do you get that? It's really important. He's talking to Simon. He tells the parable to Simon. And then he turns to the woman, but he's still talking to Simon. And he says, do you see this woman? Because he's not seeing that woman. He's seen an object of contempt and derision. And understand something. That is an important question for you and me too. Because how many times, how many times do we look at people and we judge them? And we don't see them. They might wear things we don't like. They might be from someplace we don't speak the language. They might um, have a different political view than we do. They might be whatever. Different than us. They might be different than us. How many of us, if we were in the car, Jesus was with us, and we were ready to make a judgment, how many times would Jesus, how many times should Jesus say to us, Look, do you see that woman? Do you see them? Maybe it's at the stoplight with a sign in their hands. I don't know what it looks like for you, but here's the deal Jesus wants us to see people. Do you see that woman? Then he goes on. I want you to just think about how gracious Jesus is and compassionate. Listen, I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. What he could have said, what maybe he should have said, is you didn't wash my feet. He doesn't, he doesn't, even, he doesn't even go there. You didn't even give me water. It's so compassionate and kind and generous. I mean, Jesus could have dropped the hammer. He doesn't really. You didn't even give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, and he does it again. Look what he says. You didn't give me a kiss. He, he could have said, maybe he should have said, you didn't kiss my hand. He doesn't say that. He just says, you didn't even give me a kiss of greeting. As if we were equal. He's so generous, so kind. But, this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. You didn't give me the minimum. She gave me everything. She did more and more and more. And then he says this. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. And I see... Alright, so he's talking to Simon. He's looking at her. And this is what he says. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. We live in a society where we're supposed to pretend along with people. Jesus doesn't pretend along with people. He, he says, look, her many sins, and I, I would think if, if, I'm, a, if I'm her, 
I have many sins too. I kind of duck my head a little bit if I'm her. Her, her many sins, and I think she probably nodded, and I would nod, and you would nod. They've been forgiven as her great love has shown. That's why she wet my feet with her hair, uh, with her tears, and wiped them with her hair, and poured perfume on them, and kissed them. She has been forgiven much, and she loves much, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And what he's not saying to Simon is, You're not much of a sinner. I mean, the big question is this. Who was really the biggest debtor in the room? Isn't it the one whose lips won't kiss? Whose knees won't kneel? Whose hands won't serve? He thought she was the biggest sinner, the biggest debtor. Maybe that's not true. You see, she needed grace for a heart that was broken. He needed grace for a heart that's hard. And the question today is this, who in this room is the biggest debtor? It's rhetorical, you shouldn't point. What's well, me? It's you. We're the ones. We're the ones. I'm not responsible for anybody else's sin. I'm responsible for mine. I'm responsible for mine, and you're responsible for yours. So, what do you do with this? I've got two suggestions. I want you to think about giving two gifts to Jesus this week. One is repentance. Be, be specific. Say, you know, Lord... I didn't tell the complete truth. I want to repent of that. Um, I spoke words out of anger, and I shouldn't have. I should have held my tongue, and I didn't. I lusted. I coveted. You just be specific. You tell the Lord, hey, I want to repent of this. Her sins that were many have been forgiven. They'll be forgiven. You repent. A second gift is adoration. You offer adoration. For some, it will be music. You will sing a song and that will make you, um, that will bring joy to your heart and it, you'll adore God through that. That's great. For some of you, you're a writer and you need to write, write out a sentence. For some of you, you need to do something active. You remember the movie Chariots of Fire? Uh, Eric Little said, When I run, I feel God's pleasure. I'm at an age now when I run, I feel my body's displeasure. So that won't be for me. Running won't be my thing. But it might be your thing. Maybe you need to get out into nature. Maybe you need to create something. I found a, a little note a guy wrote to his uh, schoolmate starting school. His teacher told him to write a note to be sorry. This is what he wrote. Dear Brody, Miss P made me write you this note. All I want to say sorry for is not being sorry because I tried to feel sorry, but I don't. <laughs> Love that. The Pharisee wrote that one. You know, it's like, okay. But then there are times where we see in action somebody who understands what forgiveness is. You may have seen this video, but let's watch it.
So this is really cool because as a pitcher, Fox looks shaken up right now because of what he did. Look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Truth is, we've all been forgiven much. Therefore, we've all been called to love much. Father, we thank You for this message. And we ask You'd help us to love the way we were supposed to. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.